Hello and welcome to People and Profit. I'm Charles Pellegrin, and this week we've got a special edition of our show. As France hosts hundreds of thousands of rugby fans from around the world for the 2023 World Cup, we'll take a deep dive into the business that surrounds the game, the opportunities for growth both within the sport and beyond it, but also the risks of financial disarray when it all goes wrong. Well, two and a half million people flocking to stadiums all across France, hundreds of millions more watching the tournament on TV in over 200 countries, and an 11% increase in the number of people who practice the sport globally this year. The demand for rugby is here and it's growing, and one country is currently reaping the benefits, the host of the current World Cup, France. As you can see here, the tournament is expected to bring in 2.4 billion euros for the French economy, a number that's increased steadily every World Cup since 2011, when New Zealand raked in 1.2 billion euros. Tournaments in the UK in 2015 and Japan in 2019 leading to economic impacts of 1.4 and 1.8 billion euros, respectively. Well, joining us this week are two people who will be able to shed light on what these numbers mean in real terms and on how exactly a passion for rugby can be converted into financial profit. Herbert Mensa is the president of Rugby Africa as well as an entrepreneur. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And Christi Christina Filippou is a pr principal lecturer in accounting, economics, and finance at the University of Portsmouth in the UK with a particular research interest in sports finance. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. So, Christina, I'd like to, to start with you. Uh, referring to those, uh, to those numbers of the economic impact, what, what does that figure of 2.4 billion euros of economic impact actually mean? What kind of benefits does that bring uh, to to a host country, yeah. Well, it's it's the the importance of hosting the World Cup is it's partly it's about the money that comes in. Um, tourism is really important. The the, the football, um, the the industries that are attached to that, so obviously hotels and um, um, all all the kind of shops and um, restaurants, etc. So that kind of brings in money, brings in money for the sport as well, because money that comes in also kind of gets circulated around. So it sort of, it's not just about the rugby family, but it's about the broader family. And what we're seeing with rugby World Cups is that people actually want to host them because the economic benefits are there and they are growing, like, like you said, as opposed to some other big events that we're seeing that countries aren't so keen to host. So it's good news for France. And is this a, an impact that's limited in time to when the tournament actually happens, or is this something that can have a lasting impact? Yeah, well, some of it is trickled down, right? The more people you get excited about rugby, the more likely these people are to then kind of join in, uh, watch club-level rugby, which then, of course, brings more money into the game, go and get involved in grassroots, which again brings money into the game. So it's all about getting that excitement and getting that interest and getting these people hooked and then kind of following through and making sure that that filters down into the rugby family long term. Uh, Herbert Mensa, when you were elected president of Rugby uh, Africa at the beginning of the year, uh, the platform you ran on was, um, and I'm 
paraphrasing here to an extent was to, that rugby in your region shouldn't be viewed as some sort of charity case that needs help to be developed, but it should be seen differently in a, as, a, as a business opportunity. Um, what does Africa represent in terms of, of business for, for the world of rugby? Well, I think that uh, is quite critical. I think that um, we are trying to get the world and the governing body and the others to, to have a shift in mindset. If it's all about numbers, and we are now dealing on a continent with 1.3 billion people, uh, surely it is ultimately that that is the future rather than looking elsewhere. And we are therefore looking and saying, how do we get the greater world to understand that Don't look at us as a charity, but actually look at us as the growing market, as the future. The technology that is based around uh, the transmission of sports and the watching of it, if you look at our continent in terms of the youthfulness of it, I forget the figure by 2021, whenever it may be, that Africa might have 40% out of the global wealth youth market, (laughs) the future employment market. So it, it is worth investing in us in order to grow yourself. You know, we do understand that rugby is competing with other sports in terms of money spend and how do you develop and how do you get a bigger market and therefore get more money for yourselves. But there's the tendency sometimes to forget that Africa is where it's at. Is there is there a future uh, in which you see a, a country in Africa, apart from South Africa, that would be able to, to host uh, the World Cup? And if so, do you have a, a, a time frame in mind and, and, and what do you expect that to look like? Well, I, I think so. I mean, people shouldn't forget that we are the world champions and South Africa is, is part of Africa. It's interesting that the World Youth Games, uh, sorry, for Olympics, the Junior Olympics, are being hosted in Senegal next year. We have, I think, the international um, cycling uh, competition, and I may have the federate, the organization wrong, is hosting its world championships uh, next one in Rwanda. Africa has more than the capacity. I think if the kind of stereotypical view of Africa is put to one side, you'll have um, the, you'll be able to travel and see from countries from Morocco to countries in southern Africa. We've got Senegal for the Olympics, Junior Olympics, East Africa. I just came from uh, Kenya, uh, where the World Rugby was staging the World Under 20 Trophy Tournament. If we take the stigma out. Africa is more than capable from east to west and north to south to hosting major tournaments. Uh, it's not just in South Africa. There's this sense of growth and expansion of the game uh, worldwide, but but the picture can be a bit different uh, on a national level. I'm going to turn back to, Chris, to Christina for this one. Uh, in Europe, the picture isn't as rosy, especially uh, when looking at the English professional uh, rugby uh, game, uh, where uh, there's a number of clubs that have to had to go on into administration with uh, financial issues. Um, can you give us a sense of? of what the, the financial situation is for, for uh, professional rugby in, in England right now? Yeah, it's, it's not great. As you said, uh, last season saw three, three clubs go into administration, which is obviously not good news. Um, and, and generally, there's problems with particularly cash flow, so money coming, moving around within, within the clubs and therefore not being able to pay their debts. Um, there's a lot of money going out straight into wages and a lot of competition to pay as much money as possible in wages, but then there's not that much income coming in, uh, and that obviously creates a little bit of a problem. Um, 
so generally, the financial state um, of, of rugby in England is is not is not very robust. It's not great. Um, I suppose the good news, if you're looking for any good news, is that a lot of sports have this issue. It's not just rugby, um, but we do tend tend to have um, a, a little bit of problem at club level um, in terms of being able to to sustain long term uh, the money coming in because while even with revenues growing the profits are well they're non-existent it's mostly losses and that is not a way to run a club and to make sure that it continues long term uh, herbert mensa when you see developed uh, markets or even the arguably the most developed market because that's where the, the game was invented uh, struggle so much uh, what does that make you uh, think about the future of the sport in africa if it's so tough are in already established markets like that Well, you know, within Africa, one of the things, uh, and as I said, I've been in office for less than six months now, um, and trying to get a mindset change, saying, look, if you're in a situation where you're part of a global group, and that's world rugby, you receive around about two, two and a half million dollars a year for 37 countries on a continent that is so massive in terms of getting people from A to B and all the rest of it. We can, on the one stage, go after World Rugby and say, look, you really need to give a lot more. You can't say you're gender-friendly and understand what's going on with the women and give us £150,000 a year and not change that from 2019 for 150, uh, for 37 countries, a continent of 1.3 billion. It doesn't make any sense. So you've got that level of trying to educate, lobby, sensitize, and uh, get them to see that it makes no sense. But on the other side, I'm out there with another two other battles. One is to get governments themselves to understand they have greater responsibility because the value system that goes into rugby is a lot different and a lot higher in many ways than it does in sports like football, and therefore critical for the youth, the issues of solidarity, team building, respect, everything that goes in and is part and part of rugby. And then therefore saying to the governments, you need to help not only build the infrastructure, but we now need to start mitigating costs in order to grow. And there have been seven or eight countries that I've been to since being in office, speaking to various government officials who are, are very much into that and saying off the back of that, they'll put more money into grassroots. So trying to coordinate all these things from all different sides to move forward. We don't run the global group and we certainly don't run the RFU. But I think that if we sit down and say this is who we are and it's always been like this, then you drown. The fact is that the global bodies, whether it's NBA, American football, basketball, have turned up the notch in terms of how they position themselves in society, how they position themselves as an alternative to football, because that's quite often what it is. And I suspect that in the bigger markets, if they don't do the same in terms of how they position rugby, then you will have other great clubs. It won't just be Wasps and London Irish and others who... Uh, it saddens me because I grew up <laughs> playing rugby in the UK and down at Sudbury watching Wasps as an extraordinary team and the names that have been associated with uh, now go under the hammer is simply terrible. Christina, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you the, the finishing word here. Uh, there's been so much talk of promoting the sport as, as a way to boost the revenue, whether it's ticket sales, whether it's uh, getting sponsorships or whether it's getting uh, broadcasting rights. What's the best way to, be to promote the sport, in your opinion? Well, it depends. It depends on the market. Right. And this is this is kind of part of what we've been hearing here is 
it's very different market if you're trying to promote it in England, where you're effectively a lesser sport and a kind of saturated market for sport versus if you're trying to promote it in somewhere like Africa, where you're see, seeing a kind of a growth in wealth, in interest, in leisure activities, and that's got a long way to go um, in terms of money coming in and what you can get from there. So sponsorship is obviously really important, and that's kind of global, that doesn't matter where you are. Uh, broadcasting is, is very, very important as well. Um, and that that's where, you know, you have seen some issues, particularly in England, for example, um, when you're trying to compete against other sports that are far more um, watched in the market and therefore it's it's hard to get those kind of funds in um, versus which is why for example in, in France uh, the top 14 have almost double the broadcasting revenue than, than Premiership Rugby have in England right so it's about targeting the market and getting the funds in for the right kind of market. But there is sponsorship and broadcasting are, are very, very key, uh, as well as the, the obvious, you know, ticket sales on the day. But broadcasting and sponsorship is where we're seeing a lot of, not just rugby, but generally where sport is getting a lot of its income from. And that's the sort of target. Christina Filippo, you are the uh, Principal Lecturer in Accounting, Economics and Finance at the University of uh, Portsmouth with a special research on sports finance. Herbert Mensa, you are the President of Rugby Africa. Thank you both uh, for being with us on People and Profit uh, this week. We'll have uh, to leave it at that, unfortunately, for now. But if you want to watch some of our other shows, uh, please visit France24.com. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to reach out to us on our various social media channels. In the meantime, thank you for watching and stay tuned to France 24.